Isn't it good to be in God's presence this morning? Isn't it good to worship him together? I'm afraid I have to interrupt the flow to say that um, if you own a black Audi, begins R4, I think, the registration number, I'd be really grateful if you could move it. It's parked on the road out here. Not sure it is anyone in here, but if it is, if you could uh, move it, that would be really helpful for um, our neighbours. Thank you. I just want to... uh, begin by saying a huge thank you to you, church family, for all your love and support to Esther, but also to me over the past uh, couple of weeks, but actually much longer than that, isn't it? I want to say thank you. I want to uh, praise God that she seems to be settling in so well in Uganda. Um, But particularly, I want to say thank you for your prayers last Monday. I can't believe it's almost a week since she left um, as she flew off to Uganda. So as Esther handed in her... um, So the checking desk handed in her COVID proof that she'd had a test on the Sunday afternoon. They handed it back and said that it had the wrong date on it and it was out of date. You've got, I don't know, an hour and a half, I think, by that stage. Um, We have to go off and phone them, email them. Esther has to try and get the date changed. Um, We pray. (laughs) You pray, don't you, in those situations? Uh, We get back to the desk and uh, they question the fact that she has only a one-way ticket and she's going there to work. Uh, She's not allowed on the plane. You pray, (laughs) don't you? You pray. In emergencies, you pray. Um, Thankfully, uh, Uganda don't give out work permits until you get there. So uh, it was all cleared up. And uh, they then tell us, having got there three hours before she was due to fly, you've got five minutes to get your bags weighed and get through the gate. Um, We prayed. You pray, don't you? You pray. (laughs) I think uh, we were in a state of constant prayer, actually, for several hours. (laughs) But when you're in trouble, when things don't work out, the truth is that those of all faith and those of none tend to turn to prayer, don't they? Prayer is a major part of all of our world religions, but even those who say they have no faith often admit that in an emergency they will pray. Well, today we come to the third in our, in our series on uh, devotement. It's such a great word. And we're looking at today the call to prayer. And we're going to look at what Jesus teaches his disciples. He teaches them how to pray. They go to him and they ask him, Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us. Uh, the words are in Luke chapter 11. I invite you to turn to that if you can, because we're basing our our sermon there, and I'll be jumping around, not following it through necessarily. Um, So if you have a Bible or some way of looking at the words, then please do Luke chapter 11, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. One day Jesus was in a certain place, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up 
and give as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Give thanks to God for his incredible word this morning. We've just read how the disciples go to Jesus and ask him to teach them how to pray. It's an interesting request, I think, from a bunch of Jewish men who surely as Jews know an awful lot about prayer. They were used to praying. Jews pray every day, morning and evening, before food, at home, at the synagogue. And yet there was something about the way Jesus prayed that left them wanting more. Well, throughout his gospel, if you read through the Gospel of Luke, he mentions Jesus at prayer many times. The very first time is back in, I think it's Luke 3, when as Jesus prayed, the Holy Spirit, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came and descended on him like a dove. God spoke to him, do you remember, and said, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. Another time, Luke uh, tells us about after healing a man with leprosy, Jesus withdrew to a lonely place to pray. And then in in chapter 6, Luke tells us that often Jesus was to be found praying all night on the mountain by himself. Luke tells us about the transfiguration when Jesus was praying again on a mountain. His appearance changed and again God spoke to him and those who were there, speaking of who Jesus was, telling his disciples to listen to what he had to say. These disciples have seen that Jesus is a man of prayer They've seen that he prioritizes spending time alone with God. They've seen him breaking away from the busyness of his day, from the busyness of his ministry to pray. And they've seen his amazing ministry. They've been witnessing it, haven't they? They've seen his healing. They've seen him changing lives, even their own. They've, they saw him bring in a net load of fish when there seemed to be none around. There's something infectious about this man, something beautiful, something appealing. He's their rabbi. He's the one that they've chosen to follow. Maybe somewhere they're just beginning to see that there's a link between who this man is and the relationship that he has with God. Jesus is modeling to his disciples a healthy, effective, purposeful, and consistent life of prayer. He's showing an intimate relationship with God. And the disciples realize that's what they lack. That's what they don't have. If you want to um, learn to do something well, then you ask somebody who models what they do well, that models their skill well. If you want to ask someone, if you want to learn to knit, I've tried before, but if you want to learn to knit, then you'd perhaps ask a Jean Coleman, wouldn't you? The amazing knitter in our church who has the skill. She models it, and we've all seen witness to it. Well, this morning... We're going to listen to Jesus, Jesus who modelled how to pray, and his disciples asked him to teach them. We're going to explore this answer, Jesus' answer, which I think turns out to be so much more than a prayer that is to be repeated or a formula to follow even. 
Because Jesus takes this request, this genuine request, teach us how to pray. And he totally revolutionizes for the disciples the view of the person that they're praying to. Jesus explains to them things about God that again transform their prayer life. Not what they were expecting, I don't think, and maybe not what we're expecting when we come to a subject like a call to pray. Because you see, how you pray, I think from this passage we realize, is completely dependent on your understanding of the one that you're talking to, the one that you're praying to. So what I want to do this morning um, is look at three characteristics of God that will helpfully, hopefully help us in our praying. And the first characteristic is that we can call him Father. Now we've become, I think, perhaps um, not as much as maybe the um, Church of England, but we have become so familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Many of us could have said it without even looking at the words. We needed the actions, but we could have said it without looking at the words that we can miss the significance of it, can't we? We repeat it without even thinking particularly about what we're saying, and that's why those actions were so helpful, weren't they, in reminding us. For the disciples to be invited to call God Father by Jesus at this moment was revolutionary. I did a bit of research, and throughout the Old Testament, the title Father is only used of God 15 times in the whole of the Old Testament, and not once is it used as a reference to God in prayer. However, if you come to the Gospels, in just the four Gospels alone, you'll find the name of Father used over 150 times. What a change as Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus calls God Father. And what's amazing is he's inviting his disciples, he's inviting us to do the same. To call God Father is revolutionary for us too, isn't it? Jesus is the Son of God. And he is inviting us into that same relationship that he has with the Father. He's inviting us into that relationship too. We're invited to become sons and daughters of the living God. That's what teaching us to say Father when we pray is. We're invited to share in this intimate relationship. And we're invited to speak to God, the creator of the whole universe, as dad. As our dad. Well... I don't want to um, go into that too much because only last term we spent several weeks, quite a few weeks, didn't we, thinking really helpfully over um, the the Father heart of God and what that meant. So I invite you to have a look over the wonders of YouTube and find uh, some of that series to remind yourself of some of the wonderful, amazing attributes and qualities of our God and his Father heart. But what right do we have? What right do we have to come into that kind of relationship where we can call God our Father? Because uh, it's not true that all humanity are God's children, although we often hear that said by nature. They are not. The Bible says something different. It says that it's, John says in his gospel, to all who receive him, to all who receive Jesus, to all who believe on Jesus' name, they are given the right to become children of God. It's through Jesus, it's through him that we have the right to call God Father. Paul says in Galatians, God sent forth his son so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Our invitation to call God Father is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus who gave up everything, including his status as son, 
before the Father by taking on the sin that we could, um, that we deserved to take, the punishment that we deserved to take. Jesus took on himself so that we could take on his righteousness, but also we could take on his status as adopted children of God. This is amazing. Isn't it amazing that as God's adopted children, he loves us, he loves you, he loves me as much as he loves Jesus? Let that sink in for a minute. Isn't that amazing? That God loves us as much as he loves his only son. I know that because John tells us. Jesus in his prayer for all believers says that they may know you have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus asked God that we would understand that amazing love that God has for us. Well, Jesus goes on to describe more about the Father heart of God in uh, the passage down in Luke 11, um, verse 11 to 13. I'd like to read them again. Which of you fathers or mothers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead, Jesus asks? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? Even imperfect humans know how to be kind, know how to give their children what they need. Even imperfect parents won't give things to their children that are going to harm them. Even imperfect parents will listen to their children's requests. But how much more, Jesus asks, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you? I just want to notice a couple of things from these uh, verses here. Firstly, I'm not sure if you've ever heard this. You might have even said it, probably in jest. But I've heard people say things like, the last place I would ever want to live is the North Pole, say. So that's probably where God will send me. Have you ever heard anyone say something like that before? Maybe you've even said it. Now, it probably was said in jest. But I think it is true that we often think like that. We have this sense that God has some sort of delight in making our lives difficult and is looking to trip us up rather than to bless us. The problem is, as Jesus is teaching his disciples here, and as I said at the beginning, is how you pray is all tied up with your view of God. So if we think that God is out to get us in some way, if we doubt our place as an adopted child of God, then our prayers will be shaped by the way that we view God, the way that we think. When life is tough and when prayers are not answered, if our view and our understanding of of God's nature as our Father is out of focus or out of kilter, then the way we pray to him is going to be affected. And the result is often that we become distrustful of God, don't we? We'd maybe even become angry with God or we give up praying because we don't understand. Now, it's probably hard to admit, but I'm guessing that we've all been there at some point in our lives. The fact is you might even be at that point right now, struggling to make sense of the tough place that you find yourself in at the moment. But Jesus says to us in this passage right here, don't forget who your father is. Don't forget who your father is. I feel I need to say that again for somebody this morning. Don't forget. Don't forget who your father is. And I hope the second thing that I've 
discovered through this will help make sense of what I've just said as well. Matthew, in his account of the Lord's Prayer, says that the Father already knows what we need before we ask. That's how Matthew um, packages up the Lord's Prayer. And I think that's true, isn't it? If you're a parent here today, you probably know most of the time what your kids are going to ask you before you say it. But I wonder if we notice the gift, the God, the giver of all good gifts. Did you notice the gift that he promises his children if we do call on him as Father? It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's lots we could say about that, and maybe another day we will. But for now, for me, as I read that, I realized that God, when we pray to him, the most amazing gift he gives us is the gift of himself. The gift of himself. Can I encourage you to stop and think about that at the moment as you pray? God wants to give you the gift of himself. Because I think this takes prayer onto a whole new level, doesn't it? A whole different level, if you like. From simply that coming to God to talk about him with our list of needs and worries. Not that that's wrong, that's totally right. But to be honest, is that not often, is that not what the majority of our prayers end up being? Made up most of the time of what we need and what we're worried about, what we want. Rather than spending time with God to get to know him, to be in relationship with him. And what we discover here, I think, is so beautiful that no matter what we face, we have the promise that God himself will be with us. We're never left alone to fend for ourselves because God has promised to give us his spirit. What are we discovering? Prayer is all about relationship, all about relationship with God. And I wonder if the question that we need to ask ourselves is how much do we want that? How much do we want that relationship with God this morning? I ask myself that. How much do I want that kind of relationship with God, my Father? Because as we said at the beginning, we tend to pray. We tend to pray. Whether we know God or not, we tend to pray when we're in a pickle. Because that's what we were created for. We were created to be in communion with our Creator. Isn't that incredible? Him in us, us in Him. Well, secondly, and a a bit more briefly, (laughs) um, call him approachable. Have a look again at verses 5 to 10. I won't read them. Jesus asked his disciples to think about that man who wakes his neighbor up in the night because he needs some bread. This is first century Palestine, this story. The whole family would be in one room. They'd have bolted the door. They'd have all got down on their mat to go to sleep. They might have little children that have taken ages to get to sleep. I'm sure parents here can identify with that. And they're like, we just want to be left alone now. We need to sleep. If you wake one up, you wake everyone up. Don't disturb us. But this person banging on the door of his neighbor at midnight is described by Jesus as having shameless audacity as he decides to wake that poor neighbor up. The Bible is saying this guy's rude. He's rude. He's got no social awareness. He's like, he's impudent. He's, he's bold. He's ri- ridiculous. He knows, though, this guy knows, the one knocking on the door, he knows that his sleeping neighbor has bread and he needs it. And he needs help. So this guy, this impudent, rude guy, ignores all the politeness all the expected protocol, and what does he do? He just keeps on banging, doesn't he? He keeps on banging on the door until his friend, who probably isn't a friend anymore, um, relents and comes down. This guy is annoyingly relentless, annoyingly bold, annoyingly rude. 
Now, we have a problem with this parable, and that is that we can so easily miss the point of it. For a long time, I thought that the more I badgered God with my request, eventually he'd relent because he would become fed up with me. I wonder if anyone else has that view of God sometime. I wonder if you've ever slipped into that view of prayer, that if you hassle God long enough, he'll reluctantly give in. He's like that angry, fed up, unwilling, ungenerous neighbor who just wants you to go away. But you know what? We've completely missed the point if we think that's what the parable's saying. Because Jesus is focusing not on the guy, the neighbor who needs to open the door. He's, he's focusing on the guy who's banging on the door. Jesus is saying, we are invited to approach God in that way. Because we know that God has everything that we need. He's the God of the universe. He's sovereign. He's powerful. He holds all the resources of heaven in his hands. And we know that he's approachable because he's our loving heavenly father. We've been invited to call him father. God has invited us to come to him anytime, any way, about anything, with shameless audacity, with annoying relentlessness. Isn't that amazing? We're invited to be bold when we approach God. We're invited to pray, God, I know you're running the universe right now. I know you've got a world to care for, but I'm really struggling with this at the moment, and I need to talk to you about it. It sounds bold, actually, doesn't it? When you put it like that, it sounds audacious that we can approach the God of the universe in this way. How dare we? How dare we? Why would he care about little old me? But brothers and sisters, that is the invitation from this passage here. That's the invitation that Jesus says when he teaches us how to pray. Our Father is approachable. This is a picture, isn't it? of shameless audacity that Jesus is painting with which you and I can approach God, even this morning. You know, Jesus says God delights in us bothering him. God delights in us bothering him. Think of bothering as a bit of a negative word. Don't bother me. If one of my daughters, I use Esther as an illustration because you know her, but say Esther phoned me up from Uganda, she has this week, and she says, um, well, she didn't say this, but, you know, if she says, Mum, I've got something I need to talk you to about, and it's weighing really heavy on my heart, really struggling with it, but I don't want to bother you right now. I'm not going to say, good, I don't want you to bother me, Esther. <laughs> I haven't got time for that. Am I? I'm not going to say that, because I'm a mum. And I delight in being the one that she bothers I delight in being the one that she wants to bring her heavy heart to and help her carry it. I'm glad when my girls come to me and tell me what's on their mind. I'm glad when they come and bother me. That's the same with God. That's the same with the God of the universe. He delights. (laughs) He delights when you bother him. (laughs) He's approachable. Jesus isn't saying don't bother God with the small things. He's saying bother God with everything. Bother God with everything that's going on in your life. Nothing's too small for God. Nothing's too big. We can pray about cancer. We can pray about colds. And finally, we can call on him often. Always, maybe. As we close, let's uh, go right back to the beginning and notice Jesus says to his disciples, when they ask, teach us how to pray, he says, when you pray, not if you pray. 
Our approachable father longs for us to talk to him often, always, not just when you're at the checking desk at Heathrow. How you do it is different for everybody, isn't it? We could all share stories of how we pray. But I'd suggest it's always good to begin your day with prayer. Begin your day with God. The Psalms speak of getting up early to spend time with God. The Gospels tell us that Jesus was often found early in the morning with his father. It's a good way to start the day with God. Lots of resources out there. Many of you will know about Lectio 365. You can get it on your phone. Helps you every day reflect and pray as the day begins and ends. And then in verses 2 to 4, Jesus teaches his disciples, as we've said, what we now call the Lord's Prayer, giving a shape, giving a pattern of how we can pray when we approach God. I'm not going to expand it. I don't have time. I didn't feel that was the purpose of the sermon this morning. There's lots in there, lots of good resources on the Lord's Prayer. But it's a really helpful pattern. It's a really helpful way of shaping your prayers. I encourage you to use it. Because firstly, it focuses on God, Father, hallowed be your name, spending um, time with God, praying and reminding ourselves that he's holy. And how holy he and asking ourselves, or asking him, sorry, to be holy in my life, to be hallowed in my name, his name to be honored in my life. That we would love for God's glory over our own. Praying that his kingdom will come. That we share in God's heartbeat for the world to know and to live for him. And then with our focus on God at the beginning of the prayer, we turn to bring our own needs for daily bread. Recognizing that everything that we have, even our breath, isn't that brilliant? That breath in our lungs, everything we have comes from God. We're totally and utterly dependent on him for every moment of every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgiving others as we have been forgiven. And asking God to protect us so that we can live for him each and every day. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus says, do this often. Call on him often. Cultivate prayer throughout the day. Wow, we have an invitation to be people of prayer. We have an invitation to be devoted in prayer. An invitation to come and call God of the universe our Father. An invitation to call on him because he is approachable and he wants us to bother him. We have, a, we have an invitation to call on him often, as often as you like. Paul uses this uh, beautiful phrase in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. As we go into our prayer week, we're launching our prayer week today, as Chris reminded us earlier. What a, what a way to uh, start our day, our, stay, our day, our week. Let's devote ourselves to prayer. Let's be watchful for what God's saying. Let's be thankful that we can call him our Father. We've got an opportunity, brothers and sisters, to pray together every day this week. Challenged by the Lord's Prayer because the pronouns are all plural, aren't they? Our Father. Give us our daily bread. It's our family prayer, not just for individuals. So let us this week, what an invitation, let us this week... Be those people who are shamelessly audacious in our praying. What a challenge. Let's do it. Let's be bold as we talk to our Father. But let's not do it because we just want to ask him for things. Let our desire be that we get to know God better this week.
We long to meet and encounter the God of the universe again this week as our Father. What an invitation, family. What an invitation. Let's take the invitation up, shall we? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for teaching us your, and your disciples to pray. But thank you that what we needed to know was who we're talking to. And thank you for this beautiful reminder that you invite us to talk to the God of the universe as our Father. What a privilege we have to come to you in prayer. What a privilege to carry everything to you in prayer. Jesus, thank you for making the way possible for us to be in relationship with the Father. And thank you, God, that you're so approachable. Nothing's too small. I want to pray particularly, Lord, if we're in that place where we're struggling right now, where we're finding it difficult, that we might be able to just cry out, Father, and know that you are there for us and that you meet us as we say your name. And Father, we pray this week, (laughs) Lord Jesus, help us to be those who are willing to bang the door with shameless audacity, knowing that our Father delights, delights in us coming to talk to him. Take us deeper into what it means to talk to you, to be in communion to you, to be in relationship with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.